el primero de mayo. <risa> Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I am your host, Sam Duzame Jr. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at The Sam D. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thesamd.com. Follow along with the podcast on social media at The Sam D Podcast. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. After what happened Saturday night, I think I just have to ask a question. Who stole more? The Bucks stealing one on the road in Game 5 in Phoenix? Or Rich Paul stealing Adele from Skepta? <laughs> I mean, she lost the weight, right? I mean, hey, look, man. Rich Paul knows how to build them. He knows how to build them. Let's see if that translates into... All right, let me not. So, we got Braun sitting courtside, allegedly supporting his mans, the point fraud, which I think it's funny to me when Braun pulls up on the weekend of when his movie debuts at the box office but the narrative is spun that, oh, he's here to support his mans. We know how Braun moves. We know how calculated him and Rich Paul and all of Clutch, World Wide West, Mav Carter. We know how they all orchestrate and move things behind the scenes. Y'all trying to tell me he was there to support the point fraud. And it just so happens to be on the weekend that his movie is released at the box office where it's projected to be number one. All right, son. All right. But anywho, so there was a lot going on. Rich Paul debuting with Adele. LeBron pulling up with his own tequila under his seat. Sipping while Space Jam 2 goes off to be number one at the box office. And then you have the point fraud having a chance to again play the biggest game of his life. Again, have a chance to cement his legacy. And again, shut me and others who are now trying to crawl their way out and get hot takes off about CP, CP3, the man I call Chris Paul being a fraud. Now the fraud community is growing as these games have gone on. Just remember who is here, who's been standing here. Like I said, I don't mind being on an island. It ain't a Revis Island. It's been me, the baller formerly known as Boogie DeMarcus Cousins, and some others. But we here. But now the community is growing. He had a chance to shut us all up. And again, he went out there. And you're looking at the box score. You're going to tell me, well, Sam, 19 and 11. That's that, That's a good CP. That's a good CP. Okay. Okay. If you just look at the box score, sure. It's not like the last games where he was dropping 15 turnovers in three games. He only had, what, one, maybe two turnovers in that last game. I think it was just one. So, okay, sure. He was back to being CP. So now the, the wrist is okay. Magically, the wrist, I heard nothing about the wrist when he dropped that 19 and 11. Nothing. So keep that same energy no matter how much further this series goes. No more wrist talk. No whispers, no nothing. Because 19 and 11, didn't hear a peep about that wrist. But again, if you move past the box score and watch the game, and this is where advanced analytics can help. 
And you know, I'm not Mr. Analytics, but there are times where you can use those numbers to prove a point or it will sometimes tell you more things about the game. So let's set the scene here. So the point fraud on the court was minus 18. Not just plus minus. We're talking the Suns were minus 18. They were outscored by 18 when the point fraud was on the floor. And that's without the book on the floor. Okay, so let, let's be clear. Minus 18 in game five alone. They were outscored by 18 points when the point fraud was on the floor with no D book. Do you want to know what they are for the entire series when D book is not on the floor, but the point fraud is? Do you want to guess that? I'll give you one guess. You ready for the guess? What is the number? I just told you they was minus 18 alone in game five. And they've won two games in this series. Okay, so now you have that information. Minus 18 in one game, but they've also won two games. Overall, guess the number of how much the Suns are being outscored by when the point fraud's on the floor and D-Book isn't. You ready for the guess? One, two, three. That's that's too low of a number. That's I, I set it up for you to choose a high number you chose a low all right you don't know how to play the game all right so look the suns are minus 39 when the point fraud is on the floor with no d book they're being outscored by damn near 40 over the entirety of the series including the two wins okay so understand that point that's including the two wins they're being outscored by a 40 piece when it's just a point for it on the floor with no D book. So you take that into account. That's part one. So tuck that away, right? The Suns are Basura when D book is not on the floor and it's just a point fraud. Now let's take into account that D book has put up 40 pieces in back-to-back games after dropping 27 and 31 in the first two games. Now game three, he was load managed. And he was he was battling through whatever injury he's battling through. So they limited his minutes. If you take out that game, 27, 31, 42, 40 from D-Book. Okay? If we know about the ups and downs of the point fraud throughout this NBA Finals, where he had a, a really good game one by y'all standards. And then it's been downhill ever since until this slight uptick with a 19 and 11 box score, even though the Suns were outscored by 18 with him on, on the floor in game five. Okay, so now we take that into accord. So we have the fact that they're being outscored by damn near a 40 piece when the book's not on the floor. You take into account that book is averaging 30, but that's including that 10 point game three where he was load managed. If you take that out, the average is crazy. It's almost a 40 piece average for the entirety of the series unstoppable okay so you put that into accord so he's been unstoppable and his team is being outscored by a 40 piece when he's on the floor and the floor general the coach on the floor the point fraud is now it's to the point where even if you open up your betting app of choice today the point fraud is still a favorite to be named finals MVP 
over D-Book. That's what I'm talking about when it comes to narratives and how the public narratives are formed by media and shills alike. And they just create this shit that even the books in Vegas know that if somehow the Suns pull this off, despite the fact that Book has been their most consistent best player, he's top five in the world, they're still going to find a way to give this potential NBA Finals MVP to the point fraud. Despite all the work that Book has done, despite being the most consistent go-to guy, number one option, everything else that comes along with that, they're still favored to give it to the point fraud over him. So take those three things in accord and then you wonder why D-Book answered the question in the post-game press conference the way he did. Where he was asked by a reporter, quite matter-of-factly, this was a Phoenix reporter as well, hey, Devin, do you feel bad for Chris or do you feel frustration for Chris? Are you fucking kidding me? Now, D-Book used the opportunity to act like he was riding for the point fraud and say, next question. Didn't want to answer that question. Didn't want to dignify that question with the response. But here's the real though. To me. Did D-Book answer that question because he's trying to defend the point fraud and debunk the question as not being valid? Or does he not really want to give it all the way up? Y'all told me, and y'all, I'm speaking from D-Book's perspective. Y'all told me this dude is an immortal point guard. Y'all told me this dude is a floor general, a coach on the floor, a leader of men. And I've gone out here and I've busted my ass with 27-31 load managed because I was battling through injury in game three. And then I came back off that load managing, verifying and validating the load managing by giving you 42-40 and 40 in back-to-back games. And you talking to me about do I feel frustrated for the point fraud? Are you fucking kidding me? I'm the one out here that's an unstoppable bucket. Feel bad for me. I'm frustrated for me. Y'all told me he was the missing piece. Y'all told me he'll make DeAndre better. And he has to a certain degree. But when it comes right down to it, it's still on me. Feel frustration for me. Not for this fraud who's been turning the ball over, falling down, and now he's getting swish cheesed up by the Drew Holidays of the world. A person that we've never seen be aggressive for a consistent run has now decided, oh, that dude right there, that all, all league, all world, all time point guard that Mike Malone says the greatest point guard of all time over Irvin? I'm going to swish cheese him up. I'm going to bully ball him. I'm going to barbecue chicken him. But you're asking me if I feel frustration for the point fraud. If I feel frustrated, if I feel bad, if my feelings are hurt for another man's feelings. When y'all all told me he was the answer. Are you kidding me? The fuck is going on? Why would you ask book that question? If I was the next guy who had the chance, and I would be like, yo, uh, to piggyback off of that, hey, Devin, do you feel frustrated? 
and then see what his answer is. I bet you we don't get a no next question on that. How you going to ask another man about another man's feelings after that man was supposed to come through and be the answer? He's been given all the verbal, verbal bouquets this entire playoff run, if not this whole season, if not this whole decade, if not his whole goddamn career. And now I'm supposed to feel something for him? When I've been out here cooking, I've been languishing away, carrying this franchise on my back, putting up 70 pieces. We went 8-0 and in the bubble. DeAndre Ayton missed 25 games, and I still brung this team on my back within the game of making the playoffs last year and y'all telling me about some damn point fraud and his feelings I I understand why Book answered it that way I know the narrative is going to be that he was protecting CP it's very much a call Anthony Towns Anthony Edwards type of scenario where the youngin is protecting the vet which is very sus to me but it comes down to I think the real question is yo Devin you're coming off another 40-point game, fresh off dropping 42, and in your two wins, you put up 27 and 31. What else can you do? Are you frustrated that you're doing your job and playing better defense than we've seen him play the entirety of his career, by the way? By the way, better defense than we've ever seen him play. Like effort, engagement, skill set, you now see it. He's moving the feet. D-Book is playing better defense. But yet he's got this sub-six-foot point fraud out here getting bully-balled by Crit. They're all taking turns bully-balling the point fraud. But you're going to ask me if I feel frustrated for him? What a fucking league, man. It was such a great game. You know, the, the trash narrative earlier in the series that this was an uninteresting series... Or this finals might be one of the most dead vibes finals uh, that we've had in a very long time. Like it was, it was such an ass nine point then. Uh, it's even that that take has aged really bad now. Like within a week, that take has aged like a decade. Like I was out, uh, I was in the mix, I was in the streets, I was back in QU, uh, hitting the streets of Astoria for my man John birthday. Shout out to him. It was good to see the homies, and it was the first time I've got a chance to hang with the homies and watch a game since before the pandemic it's crazy so you know watching that type of game in a in a in a nice you know uh bar restaurant atmosphere y'all could imagine the type of vibe and energy i was on and yes i was doing everything you think i was doing in regards to watching that game the fact that the suns were up 16 multiple times and the fact that the bucks were able to claw their way back into it and a concerted effort from the Bucks' big three. The fact that Middleton, Drew, and Giannis combined for 88 points. 88 points from your... I mean, are we calling them a big three? I mean, they were role players just two games ago. I don't know if we could call them a big three, but that's what people are doing. They're calling them a big three. The alleged big three of the Bucks all were on point. And that's what it takes to steal a game. All of your guys got to be on point. Giannis can't, as I said, Giannis can't go out here and drop a 40-piece. His 40-piece ain't the same. It doesn't hit the same. He needed to do what he does, and you needed Drew to drop a 27. You need the Middleton to be that unstoppable Jimmy. You needed all of that to steal a game on the road because despite all of them playing well and scoring 88 points, the Suns were able to build a lead, build a lead early, 
And then when the Bucks built a lead, a big lead late, they were able to claw their way back into it. So they needed that type of performance to steal a game. That's why I'm saying it was so important to steal a game. You have to. You have to. And it takes a lot to steal a game. And the Bucks were able to get that done. And the specifics are obviously the lasting memory will be the oop. The oop it will be, but it's what started it is what was more important. The fact that Book, who probably could have took the shot at the top of the key or even at the three, but he decided to go deeper into the paint. And so Drew doubled, doubled down off the point fraud, by the way, not afraid of the ball being kicked to the point fraud, by the way. So Drew gambled, doubled down on Book, waited for that spin, and when he spun, Drew was right there and just ripped the shit. Cookies! Ripped the shit. And then took it down court, and according to Drew in the postgame, he said Giannis was screaming for the oop the whole way. Two-on-one fast break, the point fraud, the lone defender back, and it's Drew and Giannis. And if it's two-on-one fast break, you're taught this organized ball, you have to commit. You either commit to the guy with the ball or you commit to stopping the ooper and you give up whatever Jimmy or whatever from the guy with the rock. The point fraud did neither. He chilled in no man's land and he tried to go Drew into doing something, but Drew was throwing that alley, bro. That's the play. Drew was throwing that alley and he threw the alley and the point fraud flailed away and oh, mystically, magically, somehow ended up grabbing with two hands, pause, the Nigerian freaks me. You see the picture, and if you have not seen the picture, look at the podcast link or look for the link on Twitter, on Instagram, because that's part of the cover art for this episode. Mans just can't help himself. Salute to Julius Hodge, who's been active, way active during this the last couple of weeks here. Whatever his sentiment is, me and him on the same type of time. This man just can't stop punching, kneeing, elbowing men in their nuts. He just has a fascination with doing it. And you see people trying to give the point fraud, you know, a little bit of slack by saying, well, you know, he's a little guy, man. What else supposed to do? Like, just because you're small amongst giants doesn't mean you're only tacked to win. It's to just elbow them in the nuts, punch them in the nuts, grab them in the nuts. Like, that's just... That's not the way. You know, David didn't defeat Goliath by slingshotting him in the nuts. That's not how that mythological story worked out. Goliath didn't fall because David caught him with a nut shot. That's not how that worked. But here we are. Oh, he's just, you know, he's only saying he's only six feet, man. I mean, what do you expect him to do? Uh, One, Mr. Floor General, coaching the floor, leader of men has been playing basketball long enough to know that your logic on defense, you're fundamentally taught on defense. You have to pick engage the ball handler or defend the Uber. He did neither. That's what he was supposed to do. Do what he's been taught his whole entire life. Do what's been taught to millions of hoopers for the entirety of basketball. Do that. 
not try to foul a man last minute by jumping and grabbing and swinging from another man's... I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. What are we doing, man? What are we doing here? What are we doing? If anything, y'all can can say whatever you want about my, my feelings or my coverage of, of CP, the point fraud, but he's giving you all the examples that I've been telling you he's been giving you right here in this playoff run. He's tripped a man in the Lake Show series. He's fallen down to going boom. He has jeopardized his team's chances by running around catching a Rona in Denver. He's come into this series and he's turned the ball over multiple times, 15 times in a three-game span. And now he's out here grabbing men's meats again. Everything that I've been saying and streaming from the mountaintops has been played out for you in real time this whole playoff run. But he's a Hall of Famer, though. (laughs) Fucking clouds, man. Look, game five was amazing. So besides that oop, this probably, if it wasn't for the oop, well, I mean, you can't really say that. Because of the oop, we're going to remember Giannis and the dunk and the great pass from Drew. But again, like I said, that that defensive play to rip book, that is the that play is about as much of a Drew Holiday play. Like that play sums up what his career peak is supposed to be. To be able to be smart enough to anticipate the book spin to double off a Hall of Fame point guard and say to hell with it, I'm gonna gamble right here. Right now, in this moment, that's the other team's best player. I'm going to try to make a play. And he doubles off a Hall of Famer. And he goes down there and he rips the other team's best player. Then sets up the break to where now this other Hall of Famer has to make a decision. You're going to press me or you're going to be sub six foot and try to stop someone that's 6'11". With a seven six seven seven wingspan, what you gonna do? And he throws the oop, which is just throw it high. When you got somebody that tall, that long, pause, just throw it high. And Drew did that, and that was curtains. And that is a Drew Holiday that everyone's been waiting for, to make that kind of a play in that kind of a moment. That's what has been expected of Drew Holiday for the entirety of his career. We've been expecting that all 82 games, all prior playoff runs. When it was him and AD, that's what that was supposed to be. And they were able to get that off, and they swept the Blazers, and then they fell. They didn't get swept, though. Gentlemen sweep. They lost in five to, you know, the KD Warriors. So, I mean, what else was he supposed to do? They weren't supposed to beat that squad. But when you look at what he was supposed to be, because even in those playoff runs, when they swept the Blazers, he wasn't doing that. He played good defense on Dame, but AD was the reason why they got the Blazers the fuck up out of there. But I mean, now you're seeing where you can point to specific games. This was a Drew game. This was a Drew game. Despite Giannis going to get the credit for the oop, and you know he played his game. He had some big blocks as well. Again, this was a Drew game. Without Drew, 
locking in, engaging defensively the way he has. 13 dimes. 13 dimes for a guy that's not really a point guard like that. He's not a facilitator. He's not a guy that sets up. But the way that he was operating the rock on Saturday, I was like, oh, no, he's engaged to a different level. He's engaged to a different level. And you saw it. You know, I came back and I had to rewatch the game, Dolo, to kind of like lock in and, you know, eye up some tendencies or some things in comparison to other games. Because, you know, y'all in the bar, y'all in the mix, you know, you're having conversations. You might miss a couple of possessions. So I went home and relocked in on the game and rewatched it. And, man, Drew was making, he was making decisions that I haven't seen him make on a consistent level in a very long time. He knew that was the game. And as much as I talked about stealing it, players know, coaches know, training staffs know, front offices know, that was the game. If you're going to get it done, because the key is you want to take it to the crib. You want to give yourself to win a game at the crib, which should be significantly easier than winning one on the road. So we did our job. We got one on the road. Now, all this goes for naught if they trick off game six. Now, they can go back on the road again and try to win game seven. That's asking a lot. But now their game seven is game six. The Bucks game seven is an actuality game six. You don't want to go back to Phoenix. I don't want to have to say I have to steal two games unless you're in a 3-1 situation. That's what makes the Cavs-Warriors thing so crazy. The Warriors were up 3-1, and they were taking it back to the crib. They had two chances to close out the Cavs at the crib, and they tricked it off. That's really hard to do from both perspectives. It's hard to trick it off, and it's hard to steal that off. So here we are now. The Bucks game six is really their game seven. Can they do it? You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, y'all should know the next time y'all going to hear my voice, we either going to game seven or we are going to be having hella fun if the bus can knock this off and the Suns can trick this off in totality. So I guarantee you, I guarantee you it's going to be one of those ones if the Suns trick this off. Whether it's in six or seven, but if it's in six, if they go up 2-0 and then lose four, quattro, straight, I promise you it's going to be one of those ones. I don't know what's going to happen with Julius Hodge. I have the draft ready to send to him. I don't know how that's going to go, but... You know, if y'all want to reach out to him to let him know, yo, he this dude's been riding on the point fraud. Y'all need to connect. However, we need to get that momentum going to push that to make that become a, a reality. I'm here for it. But you know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, subscribe and rate. Tell a friend. Five stars, nothing less. If you do decide to rate, you know what it is. For the Sam D Podcast, I'm the Sam D. I'm out. <laughs>